Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talk Appella. I'm one half of your host, Brian Alexander. And I'm the other half, John Lampus. Good to hear so from you, John. That week I really tried, yeah. like, to really just kind of be in sync with you. Usually I just try and mess it up to draw attention it's, to myself, but this exactly. week I was like, Usually no. It's a little awkward gap at times, but man, today I think is probably the smoothest we've ever done that. It's because so. I'm so stressed, man, and so many things are going <laughs> on right now. I just saw a fire truck get stopped in traffic, and that was just like, oh, man. It just like, it got me emotionally a little bit. Like, mm. it was trying to get somewhere important, and I was like, go, go, but it couldn't. And that's, it it's, clear the it's way. just a, it's a tricky spot to be in, and that's not quite how I feel right now, but it's like, almost. Well, good. Well, I'm, I'm glad that fire truck didn't have anything to do with you. So yeah, no, no, I wasn't was just way. like standing in front of it or anything. <laughs> well, good. We're, we're glad to glad to have you here today, man. Um, joining us, we have a, a returning guest we've had on the show before, but uh, we want to welcome back to the show, Acaville Radio's very own Lisa Hawkins. Lisa, Yay, how's it going? Hey, Lisa. Hi. <laughs> good to be back. Good, good to hear from you. So it's my understanding that you just came back from Boss. How was that? That's right. Yeah, it was so great. Um, I've been to Boss before. I went last year as just like a you know normal attending person. I went as part normal. of Acapella Productions. Mm. But this time, I've been to like quite a few of these festivals now for a couple of years. And I was like, you know what? Okay, it's time to like take that next step and mm-hmm. <laughs> teach and do something. So I, apply, I applied and I honestly didn't really think that I was going to be accepted. I was hopeful. But then I got that email and I was just like so, so excited (laughs) because Boss, I think the classes at Boss are on another level. I I don't know if it's because it's on the Mm -hmm. East Coast, like where, you know, that acapella market's really um, popping over there. Yeah, and I know the the feel of the whole, just the the aura around Boss is just like, this is just so high up. The stakes are even higher. And at least the way my mind processes it, and I don't know if this is how the rest of the community views it, but it's like, this is like the Grammys of the acapella world, or am I mistaken? No, it's like, you know, there's just so much going on in that area in terms of music and acapella Mm -hmm. that, you know, the instructors are just, you know, top-notch, great quality content when it comes to their classes and the the music, the scholastic competition, the headliners. It's just, it's on another level. I've been to a few of these and Boss is always my favorite. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Lisa, what was the, what were the classes you taught? So I taught a class on emotional intelligence in leadership. Going to a lot of the classes, there's a lot on directing in the technical practices when it comes to, you know, directing your group as an MD, but not so much in emotional practice. And I think that for me, that was kind of what drove my group in college to success when I kind of like became mindful and cognizant of that (laughs) because I had not, I was not, I'm not a feeling based person. we kind of talked about this and I thought that sort of class was important. So I started the application and I was like, you know, if I'm going to teach on leadership, might as well teach with Daniel, who was my actual co-director at the time. It was helpful because I also didn't want to like do my first class by myself. Daniel Wolford, <laughs> friend of the show. He was on the second episode of Tacapella ever. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yes, I asked him to like teach this with me. I just like sent in the ac- application and like listed him as like a co-instructor. It was accepted. So I was like, Daniel, I guess we are going. <laughs> 
And he was like, all right, let's do it. So I think it made the class even better because we are very contrasting personalities. And so talking about like、mm-hmm. an emotional makeup of your group and how to navigate that, it helped that the example of us just standing up there, it was just so contrasting. It drove the point of, you know, you don't have to, like, you don't, everyone, not everyone has to be the same personality type. Everyone has different styles and just kind of like knowing how to be mindful of that and make that work. And, you know, we shared tactics of, you know, How to set expectations, conflict management, to like how to, yeah, just like navigate your way through, you know, feelings, drama, conflict,、um, and musical excellence. Because you have people have to emotionally be on the same page and feel comfortable being vulnerable in order to be musically expressive on stage. So it, it all connects. So that's kind of what we talked about. Yeah. And I know that、uh, that emotional connection is such a big part that's stressed、yeah. in a cappella music, especially with. Younger singers and just trying to, they're still developing, still finding their sound, but even more developing it from that performance standpoint to having it reflected on stage through their performances and the way that they、uh, deliver the music to the audience. So I'm, I'm curious, what's, where's the starting point with this, this class that you guys taught? How do you engage with the learners in your class initially? Where, where's the starting point when you're trying to have this discussion on emotion? Do you, is it examples that you show them? Do you just have a. Do you a just start screaming at them as to like show a bad example and then you、yeah. act normal? <laughs> That's where I'd start as a teacher, screaming. So I knew I was this boss's. Typically geared towards collegiate, the age group. that so And I know collegiate groups are most, if not all, student run. And you know when you're you know fresh out of high school, you like you don't know how to lead anything. like You don't know anything about leadership. And so I kind of talked about my experience becoming a director a freshman year. I was just kind of like thrown into it with absolutely no guidance, no directions. The director just kind of like one fell off the face of the earth and the other graduated and was like, well, have fun. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my god, like I, I think no I remember that. I remember to... seeing you in that position. Yes, you probably do. And it was probably really awful, which I also talked about. I was, you know, drowning and just like, at the first semester, I didn't have Daniel. He was not a co director of mine. I was doing it by myself. And I was just weighing over my head. I didn't know anything about leading people. It, it was just a hot mess. And so I kind of gave that as an example. And I know because turnover is so high in collegiate、mm-hmm. a cappella groups, people go in and out, leadership changes. And when there's Leadership change, there's a lot of transition changes that are you know, not smooth.、Mm-hmm. I kind of started there and talked about what emotional awareness is and what it means to like, have that as a leader. And then we kind of talked about leadership style. So we talked about like, Hogwarts houses and like, the Myers Briggs test because the, the key to being a good leader is like, knowing yourself and like, your style, like, who you are, what are your strengths and your weaknesses. So we were talking about like, how do you classify yourself? Have you taken the Myers Briggs test? If not, highly recommend it. Kind of like tells you a lot about yourself. And even if it's not 100% correct, you, you kind of get a better idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Lisa. So, like, how would you define emotional intelligence? What was the definition that you kind of used to, to kind of guide this whole class as the core of it? Good question. <laughs> I would say, like, the official definition that we used was the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships empathetically and patiently. Were there any, like, specific experiences you had in undergrad that used as examples that you drew upon to kind of Explain emotional intelligence or communicate that to the class? Yeah, when I was explaining my early <laughs> my early days of being a director. <laughs> Back in my day. Yeah. 
And by that, I really mean like my sophomore and junior year. I really didn't think about emotional intelligence at all. As like an MD, well, actually in my day, I, there was no e-board. It was just, I was a music director, business manager, mm -hmm. publicity president, I, all of it, which Been was there. obviously too much for, yeah, anybody. Because, you know, in terms of Myers-Briggs, I'm, I'm ENTJ, which means I'm not a feeling, I'm not driven by feelings. I'm more of like a logical thinker. And so when it came to music, I was like, okay, musical excellence is number one priority. And so I just kind of like, that's what I kept on drilling and that wasn't healthy. I wasn't, I was always assuming and not asking for feedback or not taking into account that not everyone has the same goals that I do. And I was not communicating those goals. Like I wanted to compete and kind of like change, basically rebrand my group because underground sound was kind of a joke. It was kind of a pop choir at best when I got in and I wanted it to be more contemporary. And I was basically rebranding it without communicating that with the group and mm. just kind of like trying to do everything technically correct. But because I wasn't communicating what my feelings were, what my priorities were and my goals, they we just kept on going separate ways further and further. And we were struggling, having conflict. And I just like couldn't figure out why. But by senior year, I figured it out. And I was like, okay, I need to set expectations. I need to communicate my goals. I need to just be more open and take time out of rehearsal to actually bond with the group so we can be more emotive on stage and be comfortable with each other. And so that's kind of was my, it was my journey to like figuring that out. And it took a long mm -hmm. time because that was not, that did not come naturally to me. I think that's so interesting, Lisa, because I have really never had that experience when leading a group because the two groups I've led are groups I've started. So it, I've never come into like a group culture and tried to put my spin on this. And I'm curious, Brian, with you having started groups and joined pre-existing groups, what's like kind of the difference there and how emotional intelligence factors into leadership and how you lead a group and potentially change things? Yeah, and, and it's very interesting because I'm listening to all the things that Lisa brings up and it's crazy because I think back to when I first was in my early days of the group as well. And I, for me, I was just thinking, okay, it's as simple as we draw more emotion just by, you know, feeling the song more, you know, really trying to grasp what the message of the song is. And that's the only, that's the, the, the main source of driving mm -hmm. emotions. But as Lisa's describing, and as I began to learn later on, there's so many emotional connections that you can pull from that just, that come outside of the music. It comes from that group bond. It comes yeah. from just your own personal experiences, the, the way you develop throughout your time in the group. So I, I think that that's probably what I began to pick up on as I grew more and more with the group. It's I learned how to connect better with my musicians, my other musicians that mm -hmm. I sing with. And that in turn, that can develop those emotional bonds, which at inadvertently translates to the music and the way you perform. Because you think of it, it's the same thing with sports and you think of it, you know, even to an extent people you work with in your office, the more time you spend with people, you get a better sense of who they are. You learn what they're into. You get a feel for who they are as a person. And that way you're able to gel a little bit better. And, and that's mm -hmm. since you're able to deliver your work better, which in this terms, we're talking about music. And so I think it just, it becomes a time factor. It becomes shared interests, shared hobbies. And then also comes just learning from each other's shared experiences at the day, which solidifies that bond. And ultimately, I think personally, and hopefully I'm not straying too far off from, no, yeah. the, from what Lisa's saying, because it seems like she knows a lot more than I can <laughs> about this subject, is that you, know, you, just, you just pick up those things from being with those people at the end of the day. 
Yeah, exactly. I figured out that most of my group makeup, the emotional makeup of my group was mostly like feeling-based people. And because I was trying to drill something completely different, it just was not working out. And so when I figured it out, we actually asked some of the people in my group to take the Myers-Briggs test. And that's how I figured out that so many of them were like emotion and feeling base. And I was like, okay, well, I've been doing this all wrong. No wonder why I'm, I'm not able to reach them the way that I want. And I'm curious, like, how did you communicate this in the class? Was it more of a lecture-based thing? Because I'm just really curious about these kind of conventions. I go to them a lot, not acapella ones as much as music education ones or teaching conventions and stuff like that. I'm curious, how did you set up this kind of week-long class? How did you not only communicate this, but how did you instill these ideas and help the class and the people you were teaching kind of, how did you help them understand emotional intelligence better? Like, how did you actually teach this? It was lecture-based, and thankfully it was one day, not a week. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, so basically Daniel and I made a PowerPoint and just kind of had a lecture. We told our story first and how we came across this and why we are teaching this and why we know a little bit about it. (laughs) Because they're probably like, who are you? Rightfully so. We just had a lecture style PowerPoint and then we actually finished earlier than anticipated and we opened it up to questions at the end and that's when we real we we didn't really know how the class was gauging like the material. Yeah. But we were like, oh I don't know how this is. I always hate that feeling. Yeah. Exactly. So then we opened it up to questions and like hand shot up and I was like usually at these festivals because you have so much information thrown at you in like one class that there usually aren't very many questions, maybe one. And then it's like, all right, great, great talk. But So that's kind of what I expected. <laughs> but like questions were just like coming left and right and not just about the material, but like about our story and like who we were like and what came of our group. And so it was so... I was shocked at how like invested they were in this material and like our story and how we came across it. And then actually our class was the last one of the day. And so people stuck around for 45 minutes to just like talk and ask questions. And I was like, I was blown away because I did not expect that at all. I was like, wait, you guys are still here. (laughs) What were some of the questions you received? People asked technical questions of like how we dealt with conflict, what worked for our group and, you know, maybe some other ways and how we said I were able to set expectations. Some other questions were, we talked about how I wanted to compete as soon as I became director, but you know, compromise is key. And at the very end, one of the questions was like, did you end up competing? And mm. yeah, that was a great question because senior year, my senior year, we finally did compete. We didn't place, but the important thing was because we passed all this information down, the new leaders took all this information, applied it and decided to compete again and then ended up going to semis that next year. So it really felt like I left a legacy and Definitely. a culture there. Yeah, I felt it was, it was a great feeling. They called, um, the new directors called me as soon as Aww. they found out. And they are like, we, we won! Oh my god! <laughs> I was like crying That's with always them. a good feeling. It's like when, when you get a call from, from your group, like, look at this, look at this, look at this, what we did. And that's, that's really great that you were able to not only like clearly reboot Underground Sound, because as someone who was there when this was all going on, just kind of watching them on the sidelines. Lisa, I think you did a great job with that group and helping them. Not just like, it's not like you just took your own stamp and said, this is what we're doing now, but you not only rebooted them, but you took, it shows a lot of awareness, how much you learned about yourself and how that can, um, and how much you can share about leading groups through this process that I think requires like, you have so much self-awareness about what it means to be self-aware, if that makes sense. And I think that's really great Mm -hmm. that, this was something emotional intelligence in leading and leadership that seems almost somewhat 
abstract. Like, what are you talking about? Emotional intelligence. You just do your thing and you're not mean to people or whatever. But as a teacher, it's really great hearing how introspective you were about this process to make sure you're not you're reaching all of your essentially your students here. And I bet that's also just like been really satisfying for you, like as a human being, in the sense of like, oh, I know more about myself. And I know how I function in regards to other people, not even related to acapella, but just as a as a person-to-person experience. Yeah, I really did learn so much about myself. I did not see myself as like an ENTJ, like commander type. But as soon as I kind of learned that, I was able to like learn my weaknesses and like know why things weren't working. Because I was just like, there has to be a better way. What am I doing wrong? Just figuring this out. I, I really do think like this alone was kind of like the key to our success. Because like technically, you no, know, Daniel and I, we, like the music part of it, we weren't bad. We weren't bad directors or anything. I mean, especially Daniel, he, you know, I've never met anyone that knows more about music theory and music history, but it just, something was missing. And I attribute most of our success to this concept. Yeah. And is this something that you foresee that you guys will continue to discuss in the community? You think it's, it has a place for more and more people to pick up on this? Yeah, I think it's it's relevant because the collegiate groups are always going to have this issue of turnover. And as long as like this is passed down and communicated, I think it can only grow as opposed to like having a setback every semester when there's new leadership, if that makes sense. I don't know. Was that was that your question? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, no, I think you answered it perfectly. You know, you know, you go to these festivals and like you said, there are tons of classes going on. There's so many instructors, so much knowledge being shared. And it's kind of disheartening that a lot of this information is only presented mm. at these festivals and only presented and you know regionally because I think to you know a, a event like boss which takes place on the east coast throughout my time in the group we hardly ever traveled you know further than I think Tennessee was as far as our group went so we would never go to an event like boss where some of these classes and some of these workshops these higher level ones are being presented only at this kind of place just because Texas was never a place that had tons of festivals Mm. and you know we'd maybe have to even go out to California but our group never traveled like that so it's interesting to hear about these different classes like you're holding and just it makes me wonder if there's a way to disseminate this information out to the masses. Hey I have an idea they could come on Tacapella and just give their presentations. <laughs> like I'm half joking, but I'm also like, that would be great. Lisa, you and Daniel should both come on sometime and just give your lecture on this. I think that would be awesome. Actually, I would, that would be really fun. I would love to do that. Okay, well then we're gonna do it. It's in the schedule, officially. Perfect. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna pass it on over to Amanda Tran with Notable Coverage. Then we're gonna be right back here on Tacapella with Lisa Hawkins. Hey everyone and welcome to Notable Coverage here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and every week we just talk about songs that are, well, covered notably, hence the name Notable Coverage. I either talk about a song or an artist that is covered often in Acapella, and basically just kind of go over the reasons why these versions are awesome. So in this episode, we're going to talk about What Now?, performed originally by Rihanna, Queen, Queen Rihanna, Queen Fenty. If you're listening to this very tiny segment on this radio show about acapella, probably not, but I can dream. (laughs) I'm a huge Rihanna fan. Everything about her music career as well as her as a businesswoman is amazing. And I, yeah, she's awesome. And I'm not surprised that she's covered often in acapella. 
So in 2015, the Nor'easters, yes, I'm talking about the Nor'easters again because they're an incredible vocal group, amazing arrangements, always. They did this song and it featured Jesse Lewin on the solo. And let me just tell you that if you haven't heard this, I'm not sure what you're doing or why you haven't because it is worth your time. I will tell you that. The ensemble honestly sounds so incredible, so well blended and so in tune with the actual music. I feel like a lot of times the ensemble is overlooked or they feel for some reason they're not as important. So it it really shows in the performance when the ensemble believes in the song and the group and the performance and all that kind of stuff. And so in this performance of What Now, you can definitely feel just the synchronicity of, is that a word? I don't know. They were very much in sync with the song, the performance, the feelings, the mood, as well as just being in tune with the soloist. Um, Jesse Litwin is an incredible soloist, so much emotion and so much raw, just like feeling and every, every time she performs. And I'm just a huge fan of her and the group. And they basically just did what now perfectly. Um, I have judged ICCA at the high school and college level for several years now. And after they put out this What Now cover, I noticed so many groups performing the song, whether it was their own arrangement of the song or an exact transcription of the arrangement that was done by the Nor'easters. So this group definitely has like, is definitely stapled in the community as one of like the great quality groups out there. Everything they put out is amazing. And it's really cool to see their actual reach and influence on other groups. Um, yeah. And I guess the only other note that I had on what now is that it was not a single, which is really unique. I feel because a lot of times when groups do pop songs, it's usually like the really big ones that are really well known on the radio. Um, but what now was definitely not one of Brianna's biggest hits, but the Nor'easters took an awesome pop song regardless of its popularity and really made it their own in a really special way. They give it their own flavor, their own sauce, um, and really highlighted each individual performer as well as solidifying the group identity of that year. And I talk about the group identity a lot in the past episodes, but I think it's really important as definitely for college groups because every year the group is a brand new group. Even if you have 100% turnover, which rarely ever happens or ever happens in college groups, but every year is a new journey for the group. And although your identity may stay the same at its core in who you are musically and all that kind of stuff, everyone evolves musically in some way. And it's really cool to see groups like the Nor'easters um, show us how to do that in a very graceful way. So here is a clip of What Now performed by the Nor'easters.
Thank you so much for tuning in to Notable Coverage here on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran. Definitely at me on any social media. I'd love to talk about Acapella. Tell me what you want to hear about next. My handle is at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran, R-O-C-K-S. See you guys next time. Bye. And welcome back to Tacapella. Hey, everybody. Unfortunately, we have to cut this episode short because we just found out that Lisa, we found out off air that Lisa has not seen Star Wars. So uh, this is over. Hi. I'm sorry. Now, now we've lost John forever. I can't go anywhere. It's, the traffic's too bad right now. So I guess I'll stay and finish this. But yeah, Lisa's middle name is Yoda and she's never seen Star Wars. And Brian and I were talking about how we both seen Star Wars and we saw the new Star Wars trailer. This is your daily chunk of something completely unrelated to acapella that I managed to fit in. Now back to your regular scheduled episode <laughs> thanks for giving us that moment <laughs> it's it's all right it's our job as podcast hosts to enlighten our guests as well as our viewers about the things that here's here's some enlightenment right, right. for everybody here's some enlightenment for you if you haven't seen star wars I, god i'm gonna quote I'm going to quote How I Met Your Mother right now, which is a show yes, I really do enjoy. I love that show. The only people who've never seen Star Wars are the people that were in them. They lived the Star Wars. That's <laughs> going to share that with you all. There we go. Yes, yeah, Barney, right? Yes, that's, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love that, that show. perfect. That's so it's relevant. Good. We are finishing How I Met Your Mother right now. Again, I'm watching it for the second time. But Wait, where anyway. are you finding it? Because they took it off of Netflix. They did take it off Netflix. Oh, it is definitely on Hulu oh. right now. Okay, well, has, okay, well, this here's a good question. Has Laura, your wife, your lovely wife, has mm-hmm. she seen Star Wars? She, ooh, that is okay, a good question. Okay, so I let's get back to Acapella because we don't want to dive into this really dark territory <laughs> right now. <laughs> we we don't want to make John even matter. I'll, I'll like really scream. So maybe she can hear through the headphones like, have you seen it? Hey, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would She's be the Stella right your mother now. I know, that's what I was thinking, Stella. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a transition, but now we're going to talk about acapella again. Lisa, can you tell us about the master class that you taught at Boss? Because I've seen you direct musically. You're great at it, especially as someone who didn't major in like music education or really like study specifically like how to be a music director in your in your major itself, which is the only place I have any like where I was that was the only place I was really able to build my skills. So I'm really curious, like someone like you, how Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about the master class that you taught at Boss? I was originally scheduled for two back to back, but um, the second group I was supposed to master class Volt. The other group heard you hadn't seen Star Wars and refused to come. <laughs> that would have been funny. Okay, I'm done. I'm done now. Um, <laughs> Brian's just like, all right, dude. We've gone off the rails now. <laughs> the the group Volt, they won the lottery to workshop with um, oh, Chris yeah. Diaz. So they went to Chris Diaz. from Tennessee? Volt? Volt? Yeah. Thinking of a different group. Yes, I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, didn't mean to They were fantastic, by the way, at this class yeah. competition. So the, the first one I did was with a group, female group called Cordially Yours. And um, they're fantastic. They had some power altos. It was nuts. Their like alto basses were just my jaw was dropping. And they were really really fun to work with. They're super sweet. 
it was just like a, I don't know, a classic masterclass we talked about with female groups. Like you really gotta like up the energy because I think they have a tendency to they're musically excellent, so they kind of relax on that like and just use that as like a bed of. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I know what you're talking about. Not necessarily foundation, but oh, like kind of resting on your laurels just a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But I wanted to see them perform a little bit more like soloists and like even the background parts just like be more expressive, both in dynamics and just like body language, the smizing, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff um, in a way that's not choral because it was very beautiful. It was very, you know, it was pretty, but I was like, you know, don't be afraid to be a little bit gritty about it. You know, like... You're singing about not happy things. So I don't want to be confused, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm curious when, because it's been forever since I've been to a master class. Do they come to you with certain things that they're trying to focus on or improve? Or is it a matter of you're watching them perform and you kind of give your input? Um, it kind of really depends on the group. This time we just we did input. I, I had a co-master class clinician. His name was Tim. He does a lot of like recording and producing in the area in Boston. Um, so we kind of like tag teamed because um, I think we were hearing different things. I was focusing a lot on like, like give me more performance wise. And he was focusing more on like vowels. And um, as a producer, he was like really in tune with those things. Um, and so we, we had a really good balance. Um, but so yeah, sometimes groups come in and like we're, especially like the ones who are like, we're in this scholastic competition and we, we know they're super awesome. I usually ask like, so what do you want to work on? Um, cause I'm like, you, you guys are great. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I can, that can be a tricky day, place but, to be. Yeah. In. Yeah. I've definitely been there as, um, just as a choir director, like in a situation where I hear something and I'm like, I don't know what to say. Cause that was great. And then you're kind of like, ah, uh, and then it's really cool that you can dive into those other aspects. Like you're talking about like performance practice, like emotion, because they already have like kind of the bedrock, the foundation that to go to that extra level. That's what I generally find in master classes that people uh, try to tap into more is that extra 10% of, okay, what do your faces look like on this scene? Like tight and not even tighten up choreography, but just that extra, like um, almost like fourth dimensional aspect of the deeper, like it factor that I feel like we're all kind of in pursuit of all the time. And it's really cool when there are things like boss or, and just master classes in general, where you have something to facilitate reaching that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally agree. I think it's um, so important for groups nowadays because the acapella community is, you can find someone that's a third party in the acapella community almost anywhere. So I think it's so important for groups to bring someone in every once in a while, just have that outside perspective. And the groups that don't, you can tell that they don't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did you end up working with them? How long does a masterclass normally go for or the, this one go for? like 50 minutes or so and then the next group you know uses the room so we, we gotta like skedaddle <laughs> is uh, a master club which one is there well maybe there isn't a preference involved but wh- which one did you enjoy more if you did enjoy more mm. the teaching part of your your workshop or the master class is there is there a love for one of those two more than the other um which child do you like more? <laughs> essentially what you're asking. I have an answer. <laughs> I feel like if, <laughs> even if I have kids, I will have an answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Okay, I was just like making off the Parents have comment. favorites. They just don't oh, say Oh, of course it. they do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have been... Oh, fine. <laughs> Whatever. As a twin, this is a weird conversation. <laughs> Wait, you're a Wait, twin? Wait, you're a twin? 
<laughs> and this is a response I always get. I have a fraternal twin sister. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Just I think bring I did that yeah that's the no that's the reaction i always get it's like wait what close friends of mine don't know i have a twin sister yeah she's a thing she, she exists <laughs> is she into music no oh interesting <laughs> used to be not really anymore yeah okay cool. sorry that just that just shocked me <laughs> no you're fine you're fine i get i i understand so lisa which of these of these two twins you have the teaching the class and then uh, doing the master class which did you like better um i like the che- uh, the teaching twin a little bit more one because i was this is this was a topic that i was passionate about and so i, I felt like i got to really like share my knowledge and everything that i prepared for this class and then also just like the reaction i got like afterwards which just I don't know I can't even describe in words like I was just so shocked that that was I don't know my favorite part the master classes are always fun but I always you know you're winging it because you don't know what group you're gonna get like you don't know what they're gonna sound like you're just like well here we go but I didn't feel like I was able to like fully share my expertise whereas with teaching like I was able to prepare and like really um feel good about it yeah totally I'm curious also, Lisa, so what was it, what was it like being at BOSS outside of your, outside of the two activities you led, your class on emotional intelligence and then your master class, what was it like just being at BOSS? Oh, I love going to these festivals because I have such like close friends in the acapella community that I only get to see at like these sorts of events. It's like, you know, BOSS or SoJam mm-hmm. and like Camp Acapella, maybe. And it's like, I get to see them, you know, once or twice a year at best. And yeah, so, community aspect. Yeah, so reuniting with them is just like my biggest like highlight. I I don't know what it is about the acapella community but they're so loving and supportive that every time I see them it's just uh, my heart is so full I know that sounds cheesy but it it, it truly is I don't know some it, it's about like the music bond that we have it, it's a, it's a friendship on a different level I no feel. I get that yeah that's kind of like what Brian was talking about earlier in regards to with emotional intelligence and when you kind of build your relationships with each other by being like by not just focusing on the music, but stuff outside of it, like whether it's just hanging out or in these environments like Boss where you're connecting over an art form, not necessarily performing it, but just connecting over it, that makes sense that you'd have that relationship and that affinity for those kind of people. Yeah, it, it really is truly incredible. I'm, I'm always blown away by how much love there is. And what's so great about the acapella community is that the people who are, say, like the innovators or, you know, like leading, like people... Who, that everyone knows they're so accessible like they're there they're willing to talk Mm -hmm. to you they want to talk to you and so like going to like the after party or whatever talking to them after classes they're just so welcoming that I never feel weird about like going up to them or shooting them an email yeah I at one of the after parties um I sat with Chris Diaz in a booth and just kind of talked to him about acapella in Alaska and you know what I'm trying to do with it right now and mm-hmm. he just like gave me so much advice and it's just it's so great that those people are just so warm and willing to have that conversation with you and just yeah you, you can be friends with them and it's like not not something that's like out of reach it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's and i hate to be bringing back up star trek or anything like that but what <laughs> <laughs> it just it came to wait, mind wait i want to see where you're <laughs> no it came to mind now. when you're talking about the the people there and just the love and the support and it made me think of you know like trekkie conventions you know the fandoms those conventions that you go to and there people just have and a love and a f- affinity for whatever it is that they're there for and it made me think about acapella and everything that you're saying is just like 
you go there and these people are so excited to, you know, see like someone like a Chris Diaz or someone like a Lisa Hawkins and just kind of <laughs> geek out and nerd out about acapella. And, you know, you just can't help to just be in a constantly, I don't know, a state of bliss at being at these places. And it's just like, and, I, and what's also great is just like our community is like so young, you know, acapella, or at least the contemporary mm-hmm. part of acapella. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it hasn't been around forever. You know, it's still in its, I don't know, not infancy, but it's still kind of in its growing. Preteen. Preteen. There it is. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of <laughs> in a preteen stage. And so naturally you're just like giddy about it. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Are you guys familiar with Freedom's Boombox? Yes. The the guys oh, who was the guy from uh, Urban Method, one of the beatboxers. Uh, Richard. Yes, I believe that is. Well, I, think, I don't I know think what the, the beatboxer is. from Urban Method is Tony Huerta, the sound engineer. Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong group then. Oh, but they he was on the sing off as well. I I'm forgetting his name. Right. Uh, right. I but I know who you're talking about. Sorry. Okay, I mixed up my people, but I know exactly who you're talking about. He was on the sing off, but I can't remember which group then. Uh, the Exchange exchange mm-hmm. uh, okay yeah he was part of exchange yep. yeah so they're they're all really good friends of mine now because <laughs> you know we're all so connected but like never did i imagine that i so i took a road trip from sojam through like tennessee kentucky all the way to ohio the kettering festival this past fall with fredo austin who's in who was in the exchange oh, and now yeah. freedom's boombox and it's just i thought about that a few weeks ago for a second i was like wait i like i did a road trip with someone who is of significance what is my life like what is going on <laughs> that makes a lot of sense and what this is reminding me of sorry to bring it back up but star trek celebration was this past weekend and i was in chicago i did not go because uh, I do not have the money for plane tickets right now on a teacher's salary. But just seeing, like literally just going on Twitter and seeing how the kind of universal reaction to being at these kinds of events where you're something that maybe is only, so it might be something you love, but it's only accessible in one form. Like I love Star Wars, but it's only accessible to me in reading the books and the games and the movies. But then when you take something that is either usually a solo endeavor or something that isn't inherently community-based and you have a kind of epicenter like that, that's what this kind of feels like. You're creating an epicenter, creating an environment where it can thrive among a bunch of people, even if just for like a couple of days. I think that's just a ridiculously unique and pleasurable experience that, I mean, that's why we have conventions. That's why we do these things. But I think it's also a very like affirming and heartwarming situation to be in. I know that's what I always think about when I go to the music educators conferences or stuff like that, or you know how people probably feel about Comic-Con or the dentistry school um, thing that was going on at the Oregon <laughs> Convention Center a few weeks ago. It, these environments, they not only are like very heartwarming, but they breed this creativity, they breed collaboration. And it's really cool to see, Lisa, how you've come from just, you know, you're talking about how, quote unquote, insignificant you feel compared to these people, but you're one of these people now. And there's probably someone who's going to feel that same way about being like, oh my gosh, like I hung out with Lisa Hawkins. And it's really cool that, (laughs) um, and it's really cool to have these conventions and have these meetups where that is not necessarily the purpose, but that's just a really great byproduct. And more people like you can like, quote unquote, like be created or to continue that legacy. And that's just like a really good thing. And that's really nice. And it's nice to know 
that that kind of stuff exists. Right. And like what's so great about the acapella community is like it's, it's not that hard. You just have to like show up and just, you know, talk to these people. And then all of a sudden you have mentors, you have friends and you're like not trying to because even, you know, me in Alaska, I like feel like I'm doing this alone because I'm the only acapella person up here literally. And so having people I can text and talk to and be like, hey, what is your advice as someone who was like a pioneer in this field? It's just it's so great to have that support system. Yeah. And so after after the show and you probably already answered this, but I'm guessing you feel like there's a sense of if you ever needed to reach out to these people for more advice, more more mentorship kind of things. You know, these people are generous and kind enough that they do it in a heartbeat. Exactly. I actually just received an email today from Tom Keys, who uh, runs Laugh in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. And um, I, I sent him an email like weeks ago, maybe even months ago after Laugh, just kind of like thanking him and then kind of telling him about my situation in Alaska and like if he had any advice as someone who's one of the leaders in the SoCal acapella scene. And he sent me like a dissertation of an email. And I was just <laughs> like, wow, like I'm so amazed. And then at the end, he was like, well, let's get you like involved in Laugh. And it's just like, it's so simple. Like just me kind of like thanking him for putting on Laugh and just talking about you know who I am all of a sudden we're like in a way partners like he's helping me and maybe I'll be involved in laugh next year like who knows but it, it's in acapella it's like not that hard and that's what's so great yeah yeah so first boss now laugh and who next you're gonna be running so jam next is that what you're trying to tell us <laughs> that would be cool Daniel's family <laughs> lives there so you're gonna bring back this thing off are you gonna be the host oh my god okay I could never be the host I'm not that funny but like <laughs> that would be awesome I would totally be like one of the producers or something I'm like Nicholas Shea he's pretty funny but I don't know if he's a professional comedian at the end of the day I just remember all the from watching that like I really liked it and that was when I was really getting into acapella but just all the 98 degrees references <laughs> (laughs) like yeah it's getting pretty hot on stage you might even say it's up to and then looks at a different camera 98 degrees and i was like all right okay he's so charismatic same with like ryan secret like host has got to be like charismatic whereas like i feel like even in doing like theme hour or you know my segment here i just feel like i'm like like enya asking for directions check it out every week on talk (laughs) about Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just feel like my voice does not suit itself to hype. I'm like more, I'm super mellow. I think you have a very like mellow voice, which is, but, but that's, that's a good thing. So when you get hyped up, it, it works out. Like I'm almost like, uh, I, I think that, I think that would work very well. <laughs> so, and I know one other thing we haven't really discussed, but that's also a big part of boss is the, the awards aspect. And I know that this is the place where they honor the top, the top tracks that are recorded and the studio work and everything like that what was that vibe like being there did you get to attend any of the the awards part of the festival i actually didn't go to the cars this year but i went last year Uh, and what do you remember from last year well last year i went because well one i wanted to but two because i was a nominee and a judge and so i already knew like all the groups that had submitted and what songs were going to be on the final, like finalists. And mm-hmm. so I was super interested, like, ooh, like of, I listened to these songs for hours on end. They're hundreds. At this point, like I've invested so much, like I'm going to the ceremony to see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was really fun. But for me, it was kind of like once was enough. Like I have no like personal stake in it this year. Um, I haven't like submitted anything or I wasn't a judge. So I was like, you know what? Like it's it's a super cool event, but I didn't feel like I like, needed to go. Also, it's like kind of expensive to go. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I was like, yeah. 
I do think that's like one of the great things though about these kind of conventions, you know, you pick and choose what you're feeling and then what, you know, kind of experiences you want to facilitate for yourself. Like, okay, I really want to learn more about this. And then maybe I'll meet these kind of people afterwards, or maybe I'll go to this bar after the show because I know this group is there and kind of, you know, it's, it's just how a lot of people feel with conventions in general and stuff. You Get, it's not just like, okay, I am going to a tour where it's you go to A, B, and C, and those are your three stops. Uh, you have a role in what you want to learn. And I think for something like Boston, all acapella festivals like this, those are so key to continuing to grow the community to keep creating more. Lisa Hawkins is, I don't know how you'd say the plural of your name, Lisa, I'm sorry, Haw Hawkeye. <laughs> Yes. And in bringing acapella, you know, whether it's bringing acapella to Alaska or just these new creative endeavors, like something like Boss, I think, and these kind of conventions and these kind of gatherings are the things that continually push uh, acapella as a genre forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that these festivals can, you can tailor your schedule to what you want to do. You don't have to buy the all access pass. You can, you know, choose to go to certain performances or just the class or it's really flexible, which is, which is really great. I agree. I think that one of the cool things about all these different acapella festivals while they're all centered on acapella each one of them have a different feel and so you know laugh versus soul jam versus boss versus anywhere else you know you can go and get an equal level of value no matter what it is that you're being engaged with but they were all offer you a little bit of a different feel and and so yeah i think it's super important to choose what what you're looking for and what you're hoping to get out of it yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> and we're gonna take well yeah we said absolutely if we had been in the same location lisa i bet our absolutely's would have been timed up and it would have been really cute um we're gonna take one more quick break normally we pass it on over to lisa hawkins with asking for directions hey. but today we're not because She's here. That'd be really weird. <laughs> that, that's what I. That's what it's always like whenever Amanda or Elise are on, and we're like, "Hmm, well, Here's something's going to go Lisa. in this segment." Don't know what. But we'll <laughs> or Amanda. Out. That's our, yeah. Uh, that's a reminder. We're always looking for more segment hosts because we want to get some more of y'all. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to wrap it up here on Tacapella. What do the weather, colors, the '80s, hair bands, and girl groups have in common? These are all themes we've explored on the Acaville Radio Theme Hour. Hosted by Lisa Hawkins, she picks each week a theme for the hour's songs. Sometimes the theme is overt, sometimes it's obscure, but it's always awesome acapella. The Acaville Radio Theme Hour airs weeklies on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune in each week and see if you can figure out that week's theme. And we're back on Talkapella. Our guest today has been Lisa Hawkins. She has been broadening our minds today with everything that she walked away with from Boss and, you know, from the masterclass that she taught, as well as the lessons and the information on emotional intelligence that, you know, we should all be paying attention to as we perform and bring it into our groups. As with our guests in our final segment, we like to ask, you know, if they could offer a piece of advice, offer that to the acapella community, what would it be? So Lisa, we pose to you, if you could offer some advice to the community, what would you offer? Well, okay, I'll tailor it to the the audience that I guess I was teaching my class towards. But for directors, I would encourage looking at your acapella group as like a brand, as a business, not just as a musical entity, because your group is so much more than just music, depending on what your goals are. But the main purpose of groups, especially collegiate ones, is to create a community. And so I would really focus on trying to create an environment for your members, for your singers, to really feel like they 
they belong and have that sense of community because it's going to make you so much stronger, both musically and just as a family. Well said, Lisa. So that's pretty much it for Tacapella today. Lisa, if people want to see what you're about, get a hold of you, or if you have any projects going on, like how could they do that? Actually, I recently started a blog called Wanderlust Artist. Ooh, and it's Wait, I've seen that. Yeah, yes. so I, I started it because I knew I was starting this really long journey of bringing acapella to Alaska, and I wanted to like document that as well as like share my advice in terms of, for, for the acapella community, kind of like you were saying before, like how do we get that information out there? I was asking myself the same thing. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll start a blog. <laughs> And so I kind of talk a lot about <laughs> what I talk about in your segments, John, like um, for Tacapella, yeah. uh, for asking for directions. I, I do like little blog posts about them. And it's kind of the theme of the blog is like personal development and travel through music and through the lens of acapella. And so I've been really enjoying doing that so far. So if you want to check that out, totally appreciate it. If you want to contact me, you could find me on Facebook or Instagram under Lisa Hawkins. I know that's a common name. <laughs> More specifically, my Instagram is Lisa dot yoda so you can reach me there and don't you have a twitter now Lisa? oh my gosh yes <laughs> i made lisa get a twitter he did he was like i need you to have a twitter and i was like okay and <laughs> for this segment host stuff so we can always plug you i was just like yeah you gotta get one and <laughs> no i i appreciate it i don't think i've been on it since i set up that account <laughs> i think it's lisa oh, hawkins music I think I'm horrible. I think it's either Lisa Hawkins music or Lisa Hawkins sings something, something like, that. like that. I'm not, or maybe it's Lisa Yoda sings. I don't know, but it's something. <laughs> so so, so maybe Hawkins not my Twitter. <laughs> that would be really yeah, cool if the but, handle was Yoda sings. Oh my god! Okay, maybe I'll change that. You go change, change it. it, just like Brian changed his. Brian has the coolest Twitter handle. Brian, where can we find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex. I know, super cool. See, it's so cool. I know. Thanks. It's really thanks, cool. John. Uh, and of course, always go follow the work I do with College Acapella on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can find me in the same place at John Lampus on Twitter and Instagram. That's going to wrap it up. Lisa, we'd like to just extend a thank you to you, not only for coming on, but for sharing just so much great information with us today, but for being a great segment host and with asking for directions where you always just drop knowledge bombs and teach us more about acapella and these little fun topics that don't always get a chance to be explored. It's always great having just like a part of you on the show every week with asking for directions. And it's even better when we have you on for full episodes like this to just, as Brian said, <laughs> Said, broaden our minds the opposite would have been as broaden says broadening our minds that's but where you where you broaden our minds so thank you lisa we really appreciate you thank you for having me it's always so much fun and that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Tacapella. Remember, if you're interested in being on the show, have a listener question, have some thoughts you want to share with us, find us at tacapella.org or reach out to us on Twitter at Tacapella. It's really nice when it's just it's just Tacapella. So find us on Twitter at Tacapella or go to our website at tacapella.org. That's going to do it for us this week. And for everything Aka, please stay tuned.